We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're talking DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, ADP results, and more on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome back to RotoViz Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz. I'm joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. As a reminder, until we get closer to the season, we're going to be posting two shorter shows each week. Uh, we talked about the upcoming playoff games and related betting considerations earlier in the week, so definitely check that out if you want to hear more from Matt on the topic. Today, we're going to continue what uh, I did in the show last week when Matt was out, which was to review some preseason 2019 ADP, compare it with actual results. Uh, But first, I want to talk with Matt about DK Metcalf, but I suppose I should ask Matt, even though in real time, (laughs) we have not missed a beat in this conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. That's great. Now that we got through that, let's get into the show. All right. (laughs) DK Metcalf finished the season with 900 yards, 58 wrecks, and seven touchdowns. He also caught seven targets in the wild card game, added a touchdown and 160 yards. How good is DK Metcalf? Are you still surprised at just how solid of a rookie season this was? And then at this point, who do you think has the better career, Metcalf or AJ Brown? So not really surprised by uh, his rookie season because we knew entering the league that he had a really wide range of outcomes just based on his on his skill set, based on his college production. You know, like he could have been a guy who had 200 yards as a rookie and you would have thought, okay, that makes sense. Or he could have had 
like I think 1200 yards and you would have been like, yeah, the guy was an athletic freak. Um, you know, so I think he's kind of in the middle like of that on the higher end. I'm super impressed with him. Um, I think one of the big questions moving forward is there are two questions. One, uh, it's with the offense. Will they, uh, you know, shift a little bit more towards the pass and will his role within the offense continue to grow a little bit? Like, will he become the number one guy as opposed to Tyler Lockett? And then the second question, and it's, you know, him specifically, uh, will he continue to improve as a player? Because as as flashy as he is, like he's still very clearly a one-dimensional player. Now, like within that one dimension, he is totally dominant, but there are only a few things that he can really do at this point. And so I, I think the question is, um, does he develop in terms of what he can do or uh, does he kind of stay where he is in terms of his skill set, but uh, just become even more dominant within what he already does. But, uh, you know, either way, like I'm still impressed and uh, I'm very optimistic about what he will do in the future. That said, I prefer AJ Brown, who is, uh, I think, the more complete receiver who was better in college and isn't uh, quite as athletically marvelous as DK Metcalf, but is still uh, a pretty uh, elite athlete in his own right. I'm not even going to follow up on that because I think you have 100% said, you know, what what my thoughts are there on the matter. Uh, but yeah, I think both, you know, really solid players. Um, and I'm very excited to see what they do as their career moves along. Um, over the weekend, Matt, I got into a bit of a disagreement with my father-in-law about Daniel Jones, um, which gives me a two-part question here. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about okay, this. Okay, well, but, sorry. Um, just one, you need to stop talking with your father-in-law about sports and fantasy sports. <laughs> just just saying. Okay, go ahead. All right. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so, like, who is the quarterback that you use as the good example of where there's a shift from a quarterback just being an okay quarterback to becoming a good quarterback? So let me let me start off uh-huh. this, this series of questioning with that. Okay, well... Uh, I should say this answer is uh, very indebted to uh, the like uh, around the league or, you know, now around the NFL podcast, but like Andy, yep. Andy Dalton, like the Dalton line or the Dalton scale. Right. Like, right. I, I think he's sort of like been the de facto guy in this for a long time. Um, I think Goff would also be kind of an acceptable answer. Um you know, because like there are times, and I guess maybe the question is like, is golf playing at home or on the road? But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think those guys kind of embody that that demarcation between the like the good quarterbacks and the uh, I don't know, like the, I, you said, okay and good. Like I think yeah. those guys are kind of like the distinguishing line. Um, I mean, you could also probably make a case for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but I think Garoppolo is like, he didn't do much as a fantasy player this year, but I would say like, he's still like pretty clearly a good quarterback. You know what I mean? Whereas someone like Josh Allen was a much better fantasy quarterback, but clearly I would say is not a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, so like Matthew Stafford, do you label him as good? Is he a little bit above that or is it possible you're, you know, don't even have him in there? I think I have to imagine you. I think he's good. I think Stafford yeah. is good. Like I think 
I think Rivers is on the negative side. Like he's no longer good. Um, yeah. I'd say Derek Carr is just okay. Sam yep. Sam Darnold is just okay. Yeah. But I you know I think if you start and I mean sadly like Baker Mayfield this year was just okay. Um, right. But I think if you go above that, you start to hit guys like Kirk Cousins. I think Cousins is good. Aaron Rodgers is good. You know, like I think you start to move above that and you can clearly say, yeah, this is a good quarterback. Right. Okay. So which brings me to the line of questioning. Sorry, one, one more. Talk- one more. Yep. Yep. Tom Brady at this point might actually be like the the line between okay and good. Oh boy. You know, oh boy. You know, I mean, like, cause seriously, like at this point, like he's not he's not the quarterback he was two years ago when he was like yep. MVP Tom. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's pretty clearly lost something and whether it's just like, he doesn't have the arm strength anymore, or he doesn't like he, his, his limited mobility is now so limited that, uh, he's just no longer functional or he doesn't have the weapons. But like for the second half of this season, I would say Brady was actually probably like the distinguishing line between an okay quarterback and a good quarterback. Uh, I take umbrage with one thing. He looked pretty spry on that uh, final play of the game against Miami. Well, they looked like idiots trying to uh, get the ball down the field. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, no, I'm just kidding there. Uh, but so let me just follow that up with, and we've we've already spent much more time on this than I was intending. Um, Peyton Manning, his final season in Denver, uh, where they did win the Super Bowl. Do you think that that's the type of level that Brady's at now? Is he better than he's, Manning was then? He's not that bad. Okay. All right. I can live with that. Um, anyways, so where does Daniel Jones fall on this spectrum? I will preface this by saying for listeners, QBR, mid-20s, if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics that account for a lot of things that a quarterback wants to do, he's pretty low in all of those measures as well. Um, so from the metric standpoint, I think most people would conclude Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. Is there a case to be made for him, Matt? Not yet. Um, but I, he, as a rookie, I think showed a lot of promise. He also showed yeah. like a lot of downside, but I think that's fine with a rookie. I think especially a rookie quarterback, I think all you're hoping to see is potential, you know, and like a guy starting to figure it out and you assume that he's going to make mistakes and you, you have to live with those mistakes. But, um, he, I mean, he had like, was it four games with, you know, 30 fantasy points or more like that is, uh, that's like Cam Newton level type of rookie production. So, uh, he was bad enough this year to where I would say you can't say that he was good like he was not a good quarterback, but he had flashes of greatness. And um, I think it's very possible that next year he could be a good quarterback. Okay. That's a, that's a fair assessment. Um, quick reminder, as always, you definitely want to go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcasts and check out the 10% discount uh, special subscription for Rotoviz listeners. There's going to be so much content uh, just pouring out of the site in the coming months, covering everything related to prospects, reviewing 2019 results, getting into the swing in the best ball side of the world. So you're going to want to get in on that in advance. So again, head to rotoviz.com forward slash 
podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, while holding down the fort last week, I looked at the top 24 selections uh, based upon ESPN PPR um, ADP in 2019 drafts. This week, we're going to do a little bit differently. I'm going to quickly run through 25 to 36 right now, and then I want Matt to give me the player with the most surprising result, as well as the one who will take the biggest step forward next season and the player that will take the biggest step backward. And, and Matt, if at any point uh, while I'm reading down this list you want to jump in, feel free to do so. Okay. 25 was Aaron Jones, who... And I'm going to give these rankings based upon uh, points per game. Finished RB2 with 19 points per game. 26, Patrick Mahomes finishes as QB6 with 24 points per game. 27, Zach Ertz, tight end 4, 14 and a half. Uh, 28 was Josh Jacobs. Finishes RB21 with 15 per. Deshaun Watson at 29, QB5 with 24. 30 was Adam Thielen banged up at points in the season. Finishes as wide receiver 65, under 12 points per game. Teammate Stefan Diggs at 31, finishes as wide receiver 21 with 14 and a half per game. 32, Chris Carson, RB12, 16 points per game. 33, Devonta Freeman, RB18, 14 points per game. Number 34, Cooper Cup, wide receiver four, 17 points per game. Julian Edelman at wide receiver seven, drafted with an ADP of 35 at 16 points per game. And in an ADP of 36, Carrion Johnson finishes as RB54 with 10.8, which I was surprised by because I actually remembered him before uh, he was placed on IR having a good season. I would say Aaron Jones is the guy that probably surprised me the most. Um, in part because I was expecting more of an even split with Jamal Williams, not necessarily because I, I thought that Williams deserved it, but, um, that you would have a coaching staff that wasn't fully willing to commit to Aaron Jones. And I think we still saw that, that they really still wouldn't give Aaron Jones the full load, uh, when Jamal Williams was healthy. Um, but he was scoring an inordinate amount of touchdowns. Uh, and which I would say like that would lead me to the next thing. Like he will probably regress next year as a touchdown score. And we don't really know if he's going to take a big step forward as a guy who produces a lot of yards. So he's someone I would maybe, uh, look to fade as someone who takes a step back. Uh, Devonte Freeman, I think also seems kind of obvious as like, uh, you know, a smaller running back who's another year older and you don't yep. really know what's going to happen with that offense. Uh, I think he, continues to take another step back. Um, and Stefan Diggs, I would say probably did better than I, I thought he would. Uh, and a big part of that was just, he stayed healthy for an entire season. Uh, right. and he also, you know, uh, last year he was much closer to the line of scrimmage in terms of how he was used. And this year they used him, uh, in more of a downfield capacity, which, uh, I think was a good development, um, because he certainly has a skill set for it. Um, so I would say uh, Jones and Diggs were the guys who uh, pleasantly surprised me and uh, someone who would take a big step forward. I'm imagining Josh Jacobs is kind of yeah. obvious on this list. Um, I mean, I think he's a top 10 running back next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to disagree with that. I, I don't think that, um, you know, that's anything I would lock myself in on. Um, but. Overall, I mean, I think you have to say it was a pretty solid rookie campaign for him. Um, one note that I did want to mention related to Aaron Jones, as you said, the touchdowns were just off the chart. So 
Even though Williams did get some involvement, um, Jones actually, among running backs, was ranked 10th in um, total opportunity. Of course, like you said, he was one in total touchdowns. So it's going to be hard, I think, for him not to take a step back. Um, On the season, he had 16 rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns. I think what we're going to see is Jones move. Do you think he moves into round one of 2020 drafts? No, I think probably closer to top of round two. Top of round two? Yeah. I think, okay, yeah. So, like, I can't, I I think you have to assume he probably comes down, what, like at least four total touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, I'd say like 12 still feels like uh, something of an aggressive uh, projection. But, uh, I mean, 12 seems like something like the right number. Um, I mean, let's think about the guys who are likely to be drafted ahead of him, like clearly drafted ahead of him. Kamara, we'll start. McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Zeke, Barkley, and Kamara, right? That's like six guys right there. You think that Kamara actually is a lock to go ahead of him? Yes. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was thinking that he might have left a bit of a sour taste in people's mouths based upon what they expected when they took him. Um, did you say Chubb? No, I didn't. Although Chubb could be drafted, but I think that's, I think that that's a little yeah. more up in the air. Okay. I would, I would actually say then that, um, if we don't see as big of a correction as or you know, drafters go for him as aggressively as I, as I was expecting, then maybe even with that natural regression in the touchdown market, he still makes sense in that area. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, top of round two just feels aggressive for him. Right. Like I would right. I would rather have Mixon, you know? Like I think Mixon will, mm. will be drafted after him, but has, I, I think, clearly so much more upside. I would rather have Josh Jacobs. I would. Uh, this is. I, I'm. I'm joking when I say this, but but not really. And you know where I'm going. I'd probably rather have Kenyon Drake. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I like Aaron Jones. He's he's clearly so explosive. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a question of the offense, and I mean, I don't ever want to be investing in a guy when he's coming off of like a career best year. Yep, for sure. Um, With the playoffs in full swing, I should mention, um, and of course, you also have NBA and NHL action. You still need to get over to my bookie. They have a special Rotoviz promo code for you, which will allow you to get a 50% uh, matching bonus on your first deposit. Matt and I talked about some of the plays that we like earlier on in the week. If you want to get your uh, you know, competitive betting juices flowing, make sure you check that out and then head over to uh, my bookie. As I've mentioned, I've just had a great experience with them. They're always uh, making sure you get your payouts super fast. There's so many different things you can bet on and the customer service is great. And like I said, you can get that deposit bonus by using the promo code RotoViz. So make the most of the rest of the season and visit mybookie.ag today. That's mybookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Moving along our list, Chris Godwin finishes as wide receiver two with 20 points per game, and he went at an ADP of 37. Um, We will probably be talking about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at length 
in the coming months. Yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, at an ADP of 38, Aaron Rodgers finishes as the QB 16 with 20 points per game. Um, probably a letdown for people that drafted him. Antonio Brown was at 39. Um, hard to really, um, you know, discuss that pick. Um, at this point in time, 40 was Derrick Henry finishes as RB3 with 20 points per game. Mark Ingram with an ADP of 41 finishes as RB10 with 16 points per game. Brandon Cooks, a rough season, dealt with some injuries, uh, finishes as wide receiver 62. T.Y. Hilton also had some injuries playing without Andrew Luck, drafted at 43, finishes as wide receiver 35. At 44, Tyler Lockett finishes as wide receiver 23. Melvin Gordon, um, if we think back to the beginning of the season, it was really hard to know what to do with him. Went with an ADP of 45, finishes at running back 14 with 16 per game, although teammate Austin Eckler really was the running back that you wanted to own in that backfield. Kenny Galladay at 46, finishes as wide receiver 13, 16 per game. Uh, Evan Ingram looked like he could have had a good season dealt with some injuries. Um, I, I think though you have to rule that that pick actually might've been a good pick. And then uh 48 Robert Woods, 16 per game and finishes as wide receiver 14. Um, give me, let's start off with uh, the most surprising finish. I think Brandon cooks really underperforming this year. Uh, that was surprising to me because I don't think we really had much indication that the – so we we knew that Todd Gurley was dealing with his, his knee issues, but I don't think we had yep. much indication that the Rams offense as a whole was going to regress uh, as catastrophically as it did. Uh, and, and then like even within that, Cooper Cup was still able to be productive. Like he had over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like he still had a, actually a pretty good season. Robert Woods still had, um, especially in the second half, a pretty decent season. Um, and, and so the fact that those two guys were able to be productive, uh, like you could see that it is possible for someone in that offense to be able to do something. Uh, you even had at the end of the season, Tyler Higby putting up four straight yeah. hundred yard receiving games. Um, you know, like what the hell was happening with Brandon Cooks? Like th- this guy was actually a good player in previous seasons, you know, across yeah. multiple offenses, multiple quarterbacks. Uh, he missed some games, you know, but he, he still had, I think, you know, like 13 full healthy games, um, you know, maybe 12, but like he, he didn't miss enough games where you would say like, oh, that really explains what happened with his season. Like he was yeah. just not uh, a full part of the offense for chunks of the campaign. Um, so that really surprised me. I mean, he had four straight seasons before that of uh, over a thousand yards. Um, so that like that was really surprising. Yeah. After week four, he only went over – 10 points one time. And that was in week 16 against San Francisco. I mean, he did get to 9.9 against Atlanta in week seven, but like you said, yes, he did miss a stretch of games in the middle of the season. But even prior to that, you know, we saw a pretty dramatic 
drop in what he was producing. And that was something I don't really think anybody was expecting. Of course, the Rams offense wasn't nearly as potent as I think most people uh, would have expected. But, you know, really disappointing season for Brandon Cooks. So who takes the uh, step forward next year out of the out of this list? You know, it's weird because it's um, it's a list where like people I don't think it's like a step forward kind of list. Like because yeah. there are like veterans and then there are guys who um you know like have already taken the step this year or like they're just they're on the downside of their career. They're you know, so it, it I don't know. Like I think the I would either be like Evan Ingram in that like yep. he stays healthy and uh you know he actually yeah. becomes like a uh a more important part of that offense than like the wide receivers that they have right now. Right. Um, you know, call me crazy, but I think the answer here actually is probably Aaron Rodgers, just because maybe he gets back to like QB 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas like I, the rest I of these guys, I can, I, I think it's all going down. I mean, yeah. that's probably not the case, but you can make a more compelling case. I think for all of them finishing worse, in, unless you say that Brandon cooks finishes better than wide receiver 62, yeah. but like for this question, I don't think that's the type of answer. No. We're yeah. For. And step forward. Like, I don't like, I don't think Rodgers is the a top three quarterback next year. And like, I no, think that is sort of like what you have to think of because like the difference between like uh quarterback six and quarterback 16 is not all that significant i guess here's another way of reframing this question yep does it's not necessarily a step forward in terms of production but it's a step forward in terms of what he actually means as a fantasy producer and mm-hmm. uh his his place in the league like kenny galladay like does he repeat his season Um, Mm. you know, because like there's a world in which, you know, this is the best that we ever get out of Kenny Galladay. And whereas he looks like he could be, um, I mean, it's hard to say like, he looks like he could be Deandre Hopkins, but like he had the most end zone targets in the league or pretty close to it. And, uh, he was targeted deeper down the field more than most wide receivers. I think, you know, like average depth of target was maybe top five, top eight, something like that. So uh, even though Galladay wasn't heavily targeted, uh, there's still a path for him to be able to get lots of yards and lots of touchdowns in the future. You know, like he's, he was only, he was one of only two guys this year to have over a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns. And he like, didn't even make it to the pro bowl, but you know, like right. in terms of fantasy, and we have to mention the quarterback situation. Obviously yeah, he was playing with three different quarterbacks. Yep. You know, I would say, uh, from a, like a fantasy production standpoint, I mean, he was top five at the position, uh, or at least kind of depending on the, the format that you're playing. But, um, yep. I mean, he was, he was up there with a lot of very good players. Uh, and and so I think like he needs another season of production similar to this for it to stick as like, oh, this guy actually deserves a reputation as being one of the top wide receivers in the league. 
Yeah, you know, one of the encouraging things is though he did make a jump up to 11 touchdowns, uh, five in the season prior. Might be hard to stay at the 11, but, you know, it makes something like seven or eight feel more realistic, which maybe could offset, you know, a, a step taken backwards um, in another metric. I, I do think, though, overall, I'm I'm actually expecting that we see Galladay put up a similar performance next season. I think that's more likely than seeing him, um, you know, take you know, um, wow, I'm having trouble saying this regression. Yeah. <laughs> that no, cover, I mean, I'm right. I'm there with you. And I mean, one yeah. thing that is a little, I mean, disheartening is that he played more games, but had fewer targets this year than he had in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he, he had 10.3 yards per target, which is a very good number. Uh, and yeah. it's higher than what he did in 2018. So like he's, he's continuing to improve as a receiver. And so if he gets more targets, um, you know, if he continues to be targeted heavily in the red zone or the end zone, which I think they probably would continue to do because like, he's such a dominant receiver, like just like he's sort of the prototype of this is a big bodied guy. Let's throw the ball to him and let him box out the defender and get a touchdown. Like, I think they will continue to use him in that way. So, uh, I'm still optimistic about him. Um, I think the question is just like, the step forward for me would be just him having to do it again. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, also, other things worth noting. Um, he was wide receiver four in total air yards, which should be encouraging. Also yeah. was um, 25 in expected points per game, which you might want to see improve as he was 10 in fantasy points over expectation per game, which that might be tough to repeat. Um, but, you know, just more things that paint a, a positive picture if you're trying to make a case for why he could stay um, at that level or perhaps even, you know, maybe finish wide receiver 11 next season. Yeah. The um, the guy thinking about this that I would imagine takes a step back. Uh, this is – I mean, I think there are a couple of candidates here. But, I mean, Melvin Gordon, uh, there could be questions about like, you know – playing in a new offense next year. I'm assuming he's not with the Chargers next year. So, you know, like, how does that go? Um, Mark Ingram is an obvious candidate, although I hate to say that because I I really like Ingram, but he will be another year older and he's been very touchdown reliant this year. Um, And touchdowns can be fickle. And God, I really don't want to say this one because it's going to blow up in my face. But, you know, like Chris Godwin could (laughs) could take a step back next year because, I mean, there are questions about um, what's going to happen at the quarterback position. I'm assuming yep. Jameis Winston is going to stay, but um, maybe he's not as good in that offense next year. You know, like he was he was playing at a level that is very precarious um, in terms of like throwing so many interceptions while still getting lots of yards. But, you know, right. maybe he gets benched at some point next year and then yep. they bring in the backup quarterback and that hurts Godwin. Um, you know, maybe there aren't enough targets to go around or there are fewer targets to go around next year. Uh, and so Godwin doesn't get as many opportunities. You know, I have a lot of respect for Godwin. Yeah. He's clearly explosive, but like it's not hard to imagine, especially because he got so much of his production after the catch. It's, yep. it's not hard to imagine uh, for a variety of reasons that he could have fewer yards next year than this year. Well, I think the other concerning thing about Godwin, if you're trying to, 
view him as a top five wide receiver heading into next season is if you look at how he actually accumulated his points this season, it's kind of troubling in that regard um, for a couple of reasons. One being he had a 41, a 37 and another 31 point performance, which is a significant portion of his actual production. Um, you might be surprised to learn that actually seven of his games, he went under 15 points. You know, I mean, obviously it's okay to go under 15 points, but if we're talking about a wide receiver too, you know, that might be surprising to hear that almost half the time they went under 15 points. And then the other thing is he actually only went above 17 points one time after week eight. I know it's dangerous to try to extrapolate um, like a half of the, the back half of a season to the next season. But when you look at that stark contrast between the back half of the season, the first half and realize what a high percentage of his overall production came in a six game stretch, you can see how it's very easy that next year with some variants, we're looking at a bit of a different tale. So I don't think it's the slam dunk. And I think you're kind of in the realm with me there that he does finish as a um, top five wide receiver. The other thing, which I think is really unlikely, but if Jameis Winston changes up his game a little bit and stops throwing as many interceptions, even if it comes down like six interceptions, that can change the game flow and there might not be as much of an aggressive attack, Like, which seems a little far-fetched, but when you're looking for minutia here with top five type of players, it's something to consider. Yeah, I mean, and Godwin could still be a really great receiver next year. And just because of how things shake out, not finish in the top five in fantasy scoring, you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't think that's really, you know, an indictment uh, that we're we're placing here and drafting Godwin early. Um, it's just out of this list. I mean, it's kind of a natural selection if you're looking for a player that, you know, you have to be somewhat prudent with how strongly or how aggressively you target them next year. Yeah. And that does it for our episodes this week. Uh, We'll be back, like I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, with two shows next week. Um, You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and MattFTheOracle. Thanks to MyBookie for sponsoring the show. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It always helps us out. And uh, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.